Well, there's times that I, there's times in my in my life where I have not loved much at all, to be honest with you, um, where I've I've seen the blank screen of a monitor and that felt like my future. Like it felt like I couldn't see into the future. Like I literally just saw black. Um, and in that time, there's not much that you like about yourself. You know, you don't like the person that you've become. You don't like the things that you say or the things that you do or the people that you piss off or the people that you're surrounded with or whatever else, you know. So um, those times are, are tough. But what I really, I suppose, I love about me uh, these days is is that I, I, what do I love? I love that I, I love that I laugh. I love that I, I like to tell a joke. I love that I, I, um, I think I love the person that I am these days. I'm not trying to be. Um, anybody different. I've really found who my true self is. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Such a treat to have you with me this week. And I am so excited to share with you a beautiful soul with you, Dr. Damien Christoph. Not only is he an incredible wellness mentor and an advocate for health and well-being, he's also someone I'm sure many of us could call a treasured friend. He is thoughtful, he is clever, he's humble, he's smart, and I love the way he shares his philosophy for health and wellness incredibly openly. If you've never heard of him, he started an amazing podcast channel called The Wellness Couch with him and Dr. Brett Hill and Dr. Lawrence Tam, where they started The Wellness Guides about eight or nine years ago. That is where I myself got to join Cindy O'Meara and Karen Smith on The Wellness Couch with their second show called Up For A Chat, which went for nearly seven and a half years. And I'm super proud and excited that this week I get to interview the man himself all around health and life and wellness, his vulnerabilities, his strengths, where he's um, maybe not achieved what he thought he could achieve, but through that, the lessons he's learned and now who he is this day and age, an incredible educator and someone who loves to share knowledge. I know you're going to love this interview. He talks openly. I think I (laughs) take him and knock him off his perch a couple of times, not expecting the questions that I'm going to ask him. But I think you'll enjoy it because you know what? He is certainly one of those special souls who is willing to share wholly and solely himself. Please make sure you follow Dr. Damien Christoph. In the show notes are all his amazing links and where you can find his seminars, online podcasts and programs. And of course, you can also find all the information you need to know about the Self Love Podcast. That includes our amazing sponsors, 28. And if you do get to the show notes, you will see there's an amazing discount code there for you. With Christmas approaching, it may just be the thing that you need to get those special souls in your lives, a little something that will make them feel pretty special too. I really want to acknowledge those of you and your feedback on the Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, and also on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. 
I'm super proud of this podcast being on the wellnesscouch.com forward slash the self-love podcast where you can find the notes and information and any of the links that we talk about right there as well. I sincerely hope you enjoy this week's show and I look forward to hearing your comments and feedback. And again, I am so blown away, humbled and grateful for your five-star ratings because it's because of those that people get to find this podcast even quicker and easier as it ranks higher and higher in the shows in the online world. So thank you, my beautiful listeners. You have no idea how much it means to me. Take care and I sincerely hope you enjoy the show. So welcome to one of my most precious and dearest friends, someone that I've looked up to for quite some time. And I have to be honest with you, Damo, you are certainly someone who I've been inspired by over these la- this last decade and someone I've loved working alongside of. And as you heard in the intro, someone who I am very proud to call one of my dearest friends. So welcome to the Self Love Podcast, my friend. Oh, Kimmy, you're just so beautiful, delicious. I love you a bit. And I just, I can't believe you said those things. Well, you know, it's, it's humbling. It makes my heart, you know, quiver. It's, uh, it's beautiful. So thank you. <laughs> well, you're a good that. soul. You're a good man. And I, I know many people that follow the Wellness Couch have been very grateful for you being one of the first initiators of the Wellness Couch, the Wellness Guys podcast and really have been a trailblazer in the way that we communicate around health and wellness. I actually remember you from watching you on television back over in New Zealand um, on a television show, um, but never realised that one day you'd become one of my besties. So what a treat. I'm wondering if we can kick off the show. Um, What is Damien Christoph's definition of (laughs) self-love? Such a great question and I you know I think about it because I think about what are the things that I do you know to take care of myself and and show myself that I love myself you know and and that's not always easy to do you know I as much as I was raised by my mum so I have I'm very okay with being in touch with my feminine self I've never really considered that I I would do things um, to love myself, but there are. So I reflected on it when you asked me to come on your podcast. I was like, wow, all right, <laughs> what do I do here? Um, for me, um, there's there's a few things that I really enjoy doing, including um, t- that include touch. So I love getting massages. I love reflexology. I love getting a chiropractic adjustment. I, I love being around people and having a cuddle and having a hug. Um, touch for me is my major love language across all forms, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be um, in my home life, personal life, in, with my friendships, um, that's my language of love. And so for me, if I get to be around people, put my hands on them, you know, even though I played golf with a mate of mine, Jack, and uh, and Jack, you know, came over and I put my hand on him and, I, and he goes, oh, geez, that, that feels good. And I'm like, mate. Touch, it's my thing. So for me, I like to receive touch. That that really makes me feel good. But um, the opportunity for me to kind of just bug out uh, is is important. You know, I don't always take the time to spend time by myself. But if I do get a chance to spend time by myself, which, you know, it might happen once a week for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever or two hours, um, then I take that time, whether it be hitting golf balls at the driving range or whether that be going for a walk or whether it just be 
sitting down and, you know, listening to a book. I don't read much. <laughs> I should read more, but I don't. I just like, I like to listen. And so I, I, I listen to books and listen to podcasts, all that sort of stuff. So a bit of downtime for myself is also really good. So, it, you know, time and touch are my two things that I really enjoy. If you were to say to somebody, though, you know, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to look after yourself, you've got to love yourself. And they went, well, what do you mean by love yourself? Like, I don't know about you, but at high school for me, if someone loved themselves, they were arrogant. They were up themselves. They were, they thought, they thought that the sun shone out of every everywhere. So <laughs> it's been an interesting thing to then get into adulthood and realize that self-love is actually the precursor for all things that we do. But how would you how would you tell someone? I mean, they're the things we can do, but what does it actually mean? Well, I think it starts with being kind to yourself. Uh, and so there's a great, a beautiful um, friend of ours, Vicky Kelly, uh, who uh, on one of the stages, I think it might have been a wellness couch stage, said, you know, this is the decade uh, where the where we'll see the survival of the kindest. And, um, and that really rang true to me uh, in that if you're kind to yourself, then you'll be kind to others. Um, I, I, I've got another great um, mentor that I... That I um, catch up with every couple of weeks and her name's Sarah and Sarah told me once that um, the moment you start to feel stressed is the moment that you start to lose the ability to show compassion and uh, and and to care and so I was and I I kind of challenged her on that I just sat around that for a little while and said you know is that true like is, is, is that actually a physiological fact and she said yes she said once the once you start to get stress hormones going through your body, you now no longer have the ability to be compassionate. And I was like, "Wow, far out! That's that's quite incredible." You know, you can fake it, I suppose, but to be truly compassionate and empathetic, um, you actually can't be stressed. So, in order to achieve empathy and compassion, I've got to be really careful with you know the stresses that I feel. Otherwise, I'm kind of faking it. Like I can kind of you know jump into the conversation and go, "Yeah, I get it. I understand what you're talking about." Um, but to really feel it, um, I can't be in a state of stress myself. That doesn't mean that I don't experience stress because I do. Um, and I do experiencing, you know, have periods of time where, you know, things are overwhelming or I get um, not necessarily, or maybe I do get a little bit of anxiety from time to time. But, you know, what I've noticed is that I've got to keep that under control and find ways to mitigate the impact of that stress on my body. Otherwise, I can't serve the people that are, you know that come to see me the way that I should. So, for me, it's about being kind, um, not beating myself up. So, giving myself permission to slip up, um, and I think that's also really important. You know, particularly in the space that you and I work in, Kimbo, uh, where there's so many fakers out there. There's so many people who are fakers. You know, they just they say stuff and do stuff that you know just isn't real. Um, and when the realness is gone, and it's you know you pull back and, and these people are naked like you see you see the real person a lot of them hide it um but for me i've i've had to really um look at that to say it's it's actually okay um to, to not be perfect all of the time you know and and i tried to be that perfect person i tried really hard particularly when i was in new zealand and doing downsizing i tried really hard but i couldn't do it I remember sending my mates out. We were studying because I was studying commerce. I was studying uh, um, Cairo when I was over in New Zealand. And, and I sent my mates out um, to Movenpick to pick up ice cream, right, because I didn't want to be seen in public buying ice cream uh, because it would be downsized me demo buying ice cream at Movenpick in, you know, um, 
Hearn Bay or wherever, uh, or Ponsonby, and, you know, I'd be plastered all over the front page of the New Zealand Herald, you know, so I didn't want to be that person, but that meant that I wasn't being authentic, you know, so as I was kind of um, trying to pretend my way through that, and, you know, even I would say to somebody, you need to get more sleep or you need to be sleeping in cycles of 90 minutes. I was getting four hours worth of sleep a night for four and a half years. And so, you know, that has an impact on your cardiovascular health and your brain health and your overall body and all that sort of stuff. And so I was faking it. And then it it took me a little while to realise that it's actually okay to not be 100%, but it took me a little while to work that out. So I had to just learn to be kinder to myself um, in order to be able to display love for myself, you know. It's important. I know you're a doctor and I know you're a nutritionist and I know you have a lot of skills and education and science knowledge and research, everything behind you. It fascinates me that we come into this world where these beautiful little magical beings with no judgment, no baggage, and hopefully a beautiful, obviously not everybody gets a beautiful childhood, but you are loved, hopefully, for most for most people we hope they're loved. And if not by their birth parents, by an adoptive parents or foster parents or something, there is that essence of love. And they say within the seven years we have all our little um, thoughts and feelings and beliefs starting to really accumulate up until the age of seven. And then the next seven years we're going into puberty, pre-puberty changing and all our life changes. And then the third seven years up until 21 is really the development from teenage into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Why is it you think that we have to go through times of challenge? Well, I'm yet to meet anyone who hasn't been challenged on some level in those 21 years, and if they haven't had it that bad in the first 21 years, they get whacked certainly at some point. And we could say we get nudges, but we could say we also get massive Mack trucks whack us as well with phone calls in the middle of the night or we get a disease diagnosis or do you know what I mean? Why, why do humans have to go through, is there anything that you know around the science of this or why we have to be in some sort of struggle mode at times? Why can't life be perfect, Damo? Yeah, what a, what a great question. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if everything was perfect? But I think as humans and we've got independent thinking, particularly um, in environments where it's democratic and we've got the right to think and have our own thoughts and communicate and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, you know, we could, I suppose, go very far right or very far left with that kind of thinking. But let's just kind of stay on the straight and narrow here. Um, in a democratic space where we've been given the ability to think, we kind of challenge what's been done before. Um, and because we challenge what's been done before, we think we can probably do it better than those people who did it before us. And so we fail to learn the lessons of those who went before us. So the wisdom of the ages was that you would, learn from your grandparents or your grandparents' grandparents or whatever, and that was always passed on through the generations. And so whilst knowledge has been passed on um, and we might call some of that lessons, um, most of us still want to stick our finger in the PowerPoint. You know, most of us still want to just find out what happens if we do stick our finger in the PowerPoint. Will I get an electric shock, you know? So we try it because we think we can do a better job than those people who went before us. There's no doubt about that. Um, why would I go and start a muesli company, you know, because I thought that someone else didn't do it as well as what I could, you know, and so there's all of those sorts of things, you know, why would you start a podcast network? Well, you know, perhaps people hadn't been communicating the way that others, but you learn all these things along the way. Um, And I suppose the speed at which you learn it uh, probably then determines uh, the speed at which you grow. Um, And then if you choose to, 
to not grow, which I suppose ultimately is a choice. Um, if you haven't learned your lesson yet, then you'll probably repeat that lesson until you go, oh, okay, I finally got it. Uh, and then you just move on, you know. But that's just all part of it. And hopefully you can impart some of those those lessons and knowledge to your children and your children's children and, and they heed your, the advice and, and the lessons learned. Um, and you know, I know this very well. You know, look at our children and see the things that they've done, the mistakes that they've made, and um, and then you look at their wins and their successes, and you go, "Wow, I wish I was that good." But then you look back on their mistakes and you go, "Why did you do that? I told you not to do that." You know, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it's easy to celebrate the wins, and often we um, we try to avoid mourning the losses. But it's mm. uh, you know, they, they're the things that slap us is when you go, "Oh, why? You know, why didn't I get that one the first time?" It's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Once you become a parent as well, because ideally we don't want our children to suffer we don't want them to have to have challenges and we don't want them to make mistakes for their own selves but I think you and I could both say that it's the mistakes that we've made that we've looked back on and thought they've actually been the biggest growth opportunities as well has Damien Christoph had any situations in his life as a child or going through the years where you've questioned it all and wondered what your purpose is and why you're here and have you ever really struggled and found it really hard to come back Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I often have repeating, like, mistakes, like repeating errors. And so it's really probably not until now that I'm 46, I turn 47 in a couple of weeks. Now that I'm 46 that I kind of, you know, kind of I can observe the patterns of behaviour that kind of make me move in the direction um, of significant errors. And I have to kind of wind myself back and just go, hang on a second. You know, you're moving in that same direction. You go, I keep on trying to repeat the errors of the past, you know. So uh, I've got to be really careful with that. Generally, those sorts of errors, um, you know, most of the time they're in around business, you know, that I, I kind of, I'm a very trusting person. Um, I think that most people have got the best, your best interests in their, in their mind and in their heart, much the same as I do. Um, as a practitioner um, and in healthcare, there's a doctor-patient relationship. And so that trust is formed immediately. As soon as somebody comes in to see you, I trust that they're going to give me the right advice and um, they trust that I'm going to give them the right advice and so on and so forth. Sorry, I just had to get rid of my dad there. Sorry about that, Dad. (laughs) Uh, You know, so um, that, that advice that you get um, or that you give comes with, with an element of trust or an amount of trust that is um, is afforded you because of that relationship. And so outside of that relationship, I've often struggled with um, with the ability to, you know, to, to really trust people or, you know, actually really what it is is I trust people immediately when I meet them and then I, I actually wait for them to prove to me that they shouldn't be trusted. And so as a result of that, I've, I've, uh, I've been taken for granted um, and taken for a ride a number of times. And so that's the habit that I've repeated a number of times, which has led me to question, you know, why would I continue to do the things that I do, you know? But have you found through that and now recognising it as a pattern that it's thanks to those lessons that you are who you are today or would you gladly give those challenges up and never have to experience them? Oh, look, I'd love to keep the half a million bucks that I've lost in business, you know, <laughs> in the bank account. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You know, if I could get all that 
I'd have a really nice home to, you know, to live in. But uh, that's the, the reality is, is that I've made some financial decisions along the way that, you know, albeit risky, uh, have taught me some serious and great lessons, you know, like about people and about business, um, about what I really love to do and who I love being, um, the things that I want to do in terms of how I share my information that I've learned. Um, I'm still learning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting an exam on Monday, Kimmy, um, for a course in lifestyle medicine so that I can, um, help guide people with lifestyle choices to improve their health and treat um, their diseases or prevent certain diseases. So it comes back to the whole food and lifestyle and, and exercise and movement principles that, you know, Marcus and I have been learning in, in our investigations over the years. And, um, and and so I thought I'd further my education in that space. But you know, as, as I'm refining what it is that I really want to do when I grow up, uh, I'm, I'm starting to work out that I want to be able to provide information to people in a safe space mm. and uh, and probably, you know, not try to, you know, build a Taj Mahal or whatever it is. I don't think that's what I'm going to be doing. I think I'm going to be an information sharer. That's, that's what I'm going to take to the grave. I think so. And you do it so, so well and so eloquently. You're one of my favourite speakers whenever I get an opportunity to hear you speak. I love your your cheekiness and your, I don't know if it's a sarcastic approach that you have, but it's almost like a, um, like, come on guys, let's get real and really think about, like people need to think about this. But you brushed over something quite quickly there, which was, you know, you'd love to have that half a million back in the bank. That's a lot of money. That's a hell of a lot of money. Mm. And I know you brushed over and I know we're in a position now in the same position and we can both probably almost laugh about it. But tell me honestly what that did to you as a man and as a provider and as someone who was really building something to share with people he cared about, your community, your tribe, and you lost all that money and that must have hurt. And how did, how did that make you feel, honestly? Well, I'm very blessed that I've got a an incredible life partner in Amber. You know, she's the most amazing wife. You know, she she's actually really our provider. You know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I've been able to do and be so bold as to start up a, you know, a podcast network and then at the same time buy a chiropractic practice and at the same time start a muesli company. You know, so within the space of three months, I started all three of those things. Um, which for most people starting one business is enough. Um, and plus I was still doing, you know, travel to New Zealand and doing, you know, I had a company in New Zealand helping people with weight loss and I was still doing media stuff in New Zealand and in Australia. I'm still doing media in Australia. So I've always had a lot of things to actually do. Plus I had a little boy that we had to raise, you know, so, yeah, it's quite a significant amount of things to get done. Um, and, yeah, so if I gloss over that $500,000, it's because – it hurts to lose money, you know. You don't want to lose what you've worked really hard to to grow and achieve. Um, but I suppose, you know, starting a business, it's a calculated risk, it's a calculated gamble, and um, and for a period of time, it was going really, really well. It was it was just that then, you know, you know, just as it was growing, um, the language around wellness kind of changed to be paleo and keto, um, which was not my model of wellness. You know, it was a, it was a, a model of dietary approach that's quite extreme um, to the extent that, you know, people misunderstood the role of certain types of healthful carbohydrates going into the body. And so 
that really impacted, you know, the ability of forage to grow in the marketplace. And, uh, and I lost a lot of money in that, in that, you know, that period of time. I mean, forage lasted for pretty much eight years, which was incredible. Um, but prior to that, I lost a lot of money in my first muesli company, which was WBC. And, um, and WBC, that, that, uh, that cost me a lot of money. And that was, that was my first kick in the guts. That was my real first kick in the guts when um, the, you know, the company that I was working with really did the wrong thing by me um, and by Amber. And, um, and we were left short by a substantial amount, like a significant amount of money. And, um, and I was mortally wounded at that point. Um, and generally, you know, as a battler, because, I, you know, you know my story. I grew up in Dandenong. You know, it was a very poor family. Um, we, we got stale bread and we lived on stale bread and white rice and white sugar and that's kind of just what we did, you know. So, you know, I grew up in that space where you just battled. So when I was mortally wounded, like literally stabbed in the back and stabbed through the heart, that's how I felt, um, the only thing I knew to do was to get up and fight. And so I got up and fought, I fought, but I started another muesli company instead of actually going, or right, I lost this battle. I started another muesli company thinking that I could probably do it better. And I definitely did it better, but I just didn't have the resources to keep it going. And, uh, and so that was, that was the difficult, the difficult lesson there. Um, I also had a, a, an associate who was working for me, who we brought into the family and she was fantastic. You know, she was really, really good. And, and she ended up, uh, resigning uh, from my practice, and uh, and then I found out that she was um, planning on opening just down the road, like literally a kilometre down the road. And she did that; she opened a kilometre down the road and stole my, my database. And um, and so that was mortally wounding as well. So within a really short space of time, I'd I'd learned some really big lessons. Or actually, I'd been taught some big lessons. I don't know if I learned from them. And um, and so you know, repeatedly trusting people um i lost a lot of money in terms of questioning my manhood i think i've probably questioned my manhood once or twice um you know i questioned it um early on in the piece when i realized that i probably wouldn't be able to earn as much money as what amber does you know i'm not incorporate i'm in health um you don't make billions of dollars in health unless you're flogging vaccines or some other you know pharmaceutical intervention like i'm not going to make billions of dollars and millions of dollars i'm I'm going to live a humble life and I'm going to be, you know, healthy and well and hopefully live into my hundreds. That's what I want to do. Um, but I'm not going to earn corporate dollars. That's, that's just, I've, I've come to realise that and I don't have the energy to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. It's, and I do all the desire, you know, I don't, I don't desire that. So um, when I realised that Amber loved what she does and would always be better at than what I am, um, it was easy for me to reconcile that. The other time I questioned my manhood was the other day on the golf course when I sliced the ball right out right. And I realised that if you're going to slice the ball, you have to question your manhood. That's the other time I questioned the manhood. <laughs> I remember playing golf in, in South Australia once and I was so nervous. I was playing with three guys. They all were rating themselves big time. We were in front of the, the number one hole, in front of the, the grandstand. And first guy teed off, he sliced it to the left and he was like, oh, 
you know, bad weather and then the next guy sliced it to the right and the next guy behind me did an air shot, missed it all completely. I was beside myself, Damo. Anyway, I lined up at the tee and I hit it so beautifully. Best hit I've ever had. It was the only hit that I did well all day, but it was the only one that mattered. <laughs> it went straight onto the green and I just walked straight down the middle like, you know, hello, hello, I'm here. But <laughs> it's just there's something about golf. Golf is almost like life. You know, you... You can hit you can hit some great balls and you can mean well and you can set the intention and and the rest of it is a whole world of battle of trying to stay on the course, you know, and it's left, right, left, right. And it's it's kind of a cool metaphor for life though, because those great shots you do every now and again is what gets you up again. And that's what makes you you know you've got it in you, you've got the potential. You can hit it once brilliantly, you can hit it again brilliantly. And I think one of the most beautiful things about you. I don't think you'll ever change that kindness, and I don't think anyone would want you to. Mm. Um, I've been criticised for being too kind. I didn't know you could be criticised for being too kind, but um, it kind of fascinates me because in a world where you can be anything, there's that beautiful quote, be kind. And I think that's what I love so dearly about you. Um, I just, I'm curious to know, from a physiological, neurological point of view, Stress you've talked about, we know that that affects the neurological system. We know that the nervous system gets completely affected. Do you know exactly what happens when we're stressed? Um, Just some of the classic things that occurs very quickly in the body as opposed to turning that into gratitude or kindness, like how we can actually balance that. Could you explain that to us? Yeah, absolutely. It's very very well researched and well understood that stress impacts pretty much every function within the body and a constant um, perpetual state of stress, um, which might be known as say being in a sympathetic dominant state um, has a significant impact on cardiovascular function. Um, It narrows blood supply to the arteries. It narrows blood supply um, to the brain. Um, It narrows blood supply to all important organs within the body. Um, And it alters uh, reproductive hormones um, it alters um, your response to uh, digestion and your ability to digest and then subsequently your ability to absorb your nutrients. And so there's vitamin and nutrient insufficiencies and deficiencies that come as a result of being stressed. Um, and often as a result of being stressed, there becomes dependency on substances. And so that could be as simple as sugar or caffeine all the way through to, you know, illicit drugs, you know, as well. So, you know, stress and the way in which people deal with stress has a, has a significant impact on the body. Um, the net impact really at the end of the day is a significant rise in inflammation. And uh, inflammation we understand is a significant driver of metabolic syndrome X or, you know, um, early diabetes, um, cancer, heart disease, um, dementia, renal failure, um, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, all of these sorts of, you know, major killers in our society like the, the top 10 causes of death outside of mainstream medicine in the world um, are caused by stress and inflammation, Uh, whether that be chemical stress, physical stress, or emotional stress um, that will impact your health and well-being. So um, as a result of, of this inflammatory cascade inflammatory response. So when you switch out of stress and when you, you move and you can find ways to move out of stress, you know, when you do that, um, well, you mitigate the impact or decrease the impact of stress on your body. In other words, you move your body towards a rest, digest, repair phase of your nervous system activity, which is your parasympathetic state. 
um, you have the opportunity to heal itself. And so you hear of people who meditate or uh, people who follow yogi practices or maybe have a anti-inflammatory you know kind of lifestyle or diet or they move a lot or um, or they show lots of gratitude um, or they take time to breathe um, do lots of stretches they open up their chest and their heart they do all these sorts of things those things can actually move you towards rest digest and repair which is you know which is a really great place to be and you want to cycle between you know sympathetic and parasympathetic through the day you don't want to be just parasympathetic because too much rest is not good. And you don't want to be too sympathetic because too much stress is not good either. But you need to kind of, you know, weave your way through the day, moving in and out of parasympathetic and sympathetic in order to function properly. Um, and we know that with stress comes strength. Uh, so every time you strengthen or every time you stress something, it will strengthen provided you don't stress it too much. So it's uh, it's also a good thing to do. So... Um, we could go into the science in a lot more detail, but it's so it's there, like it's it's all out in the in the open. It's all been published, um, but the movement back into um, repair is really important. What led you down the path of of being a nutritionist and a chiropractor and being interested in the health field? You've mentioned your upbringing, but but what made you want to go down this path? Well, Kimmy, I actually always wanted to be a vet. In fact, I wanted to be a police. Me person. too. <laughs> Did you? I wanted, a I wanted to be person. a vet. Did you? Yeah. yeah, I wanted to be a vet always. And then I thought, oh, maybe I can't be a vet. Maybe I'll be a policeman. <laughs> and then um, I went and did uh, work experience at the police academy here in Victoria in Glen Waverley. And um, they took me into this big auditorium and they played a double one, triple four phone call, which was, a, you know, in back in the day when I was doing work experience, like I'm talking. 1989, um, double one, triple four was like, you, that was like your triple zero, right? So I listened to this phone call of this lady who was being murdered at the time and it was uh, it was just horrendous. Anyway, then that next day they took me to the coroner's um, court to the morgue and I witnessed uh, an autopsy. Anyway, after the fourth time that I'd fainted in the space of three days, I realised that maybe being in the police wasn't going to be for me. So I, uh, I thought maybe I should do something different. Anyway, I then I, I thought, well, maybe I should, you know, revisit this vet thing. Um, and um, my cat got hit by a car and um, I went to the vet and um, and the vet basically just touched my cat, Puss Puss was her name, and picked up Puss Puss and she let out this almighty meow and bang, I fainted. That was it. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be a vet. And so I, uh, I went on to study to be an accountant. That was pretty boring. As, as, you know, the story goes, I experimented lots with herbs and, um, and then as a result of those um, herbal, um, you know, experiments, I, uh, I discovered the love of uh, inappropriate food and lifestyle and, uh, and then got sick. So then I was led to become um, introduced to a, a naturopath, David Fitz, who's, whose practice is literally only 500 metres from where I live now and he showed me Nature cure. He said, you know, nature heals. You know, you eat good food and you take some vitamins and minerals, you do some detoxes and your body will get better. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. And uh, so I did what he did, what he told me to do, and I got better. I was like, wow, far out. That's pretty cool. So then I went to study to be a naturopath and then I studied nutrition as a post-grade kind of, you know, little certificate thing and um, then have have done a lot more nutrition um, training along the way. But actually, you know, when I reflect on that, um, I was probably two and a half years into my career as a naturopath 
and I broke down in tears and I was talking to um, like uh, such a beautiful, such a beautiful woman, Di Coleman. Um, her husband is, uh, is Gary Coleman and Di and I um, built a really special friendship and she became a great, you know, supporter of mine and she referred a lot of people to me as a naturopath and, and I was so continuously disappointed that I wanted people to be healthier than they wanted to be themselves. Mm. Perpetually disappointed by it. Like so disappointed that I wanted to throw in the towel and I said to die one day in tears, I said, I can't be a naturopath anymore. I just can't do it. I can't stand working so hard for people to be healthy but they wouldn't do what I needed them to do. And she said, why don't you become a chiropractor? And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, you'd be a great chiropractor. I said, really? So anyway, the day that day the applications were closing at, at RMIT to become a chiropractor. And, um, and we were living in Tarelgan at the time, so that's like a couple of hours outside of Melbourne. And we couriered the application form and my passport copy and all this sort of stuff. Uh, she paid for that to be couriered to RMIT and then I got my application in and, and, and the rest is history really. I got into Cairo school and then moved to New Zealand because I was chasing philosophy. I wanted to learn more about life and I wanted to learn more about people and, you know, what, we, what was all this about? You know, how, how do people actually get better? It's not just the duck's guts of science. It's not just atoms and neutrons and protons. It's not that that makes people better. It's, it's something deeper and more meaningful and uh, and it comes down to energy so i needed to learn more about that and that's why i went to new zealand college of chiropractic to study to be a chiropractor because they taught that curriculum and you had the opportunity to explore a philosophy of chiropractic which was the philosophy that in every single person there is an ability to heal um there's an intelligence that governs our ability to stay alive you know um, and that only happens in living things, you know. Everything else is breaking down. Humans continue to live and repair until they die. Um, and, and I loved that whole construct and thought process. So that, that's, that's how I got there. I, I studied to be a chiropractor because I was, seeking, um, I was seeking answers about, I suppose, life and seeking answers about how do people stay alive and what does it take to actually live a long life. And, and that's kind of what I discovered. That's amazing. You know, as a chiropractor, I imagine you've seen some extraordinary things. And whilst I know on a superficial level, you're looking at and feeling and palpating bones and muscle tissue. And in many ways, if we go down the barrel of a microscope, we're all the same. Uh, Vessels, 50 trillion cells, a whole lot of different things. Like we're kind of the same. Yeah. What makes us different? Uh Wow. What makes us different? Oh, well, it's all of your lessons, isn't it? Like it's it's everything you learn your first seven years, your next seven years, your next seven years, you know, what you manage to take through into your next seven years. You know, it's it, it's all of that that makes us different. Um, I think also there's stuff that's passed on through the genes. I think that, you know, there's, there's more than just RNA and DNA, you know what I mean? Like I think there's there's actually vibration that's actually passed on to us. You know, in homeopathy they call that a miasm. Um, and the miasm is the energy that's passed on to you from your parents and from your parents' parents and your parents' parents' parents. You know, it's what comes through as an energy principle, the lessons, the pain that's felt or the joy that's felt um, with different experiences in different people's lifetimes impact the way in which you respond to your environment 
as you get older. That's that's a belief system of mine. Um, but probably from my education in homeopathy, you know, through naturopathy. But also we see that in chiropractic. So I can put my hands on somebody and really feel that they're there and they want to be adjusted. Like you can feel it. Like they draw you in. Like they grab you and draw you in. You deliver your adjustment and they go, ah, that felt fantastic. And then there's other times that people come in and they they lie on the table. I put my hands on them and it's like, okay, I'm the one who's going to do all the work here, you know. Uh, And then there's other times where you put your hands on somebody and it's like, get the fuck off me, you know, like don't touch me, you know, you can kind of feel that and, well, can I swear? Sorry about yes. that. So I, you know, so I can put my hands on people and I really get the, the get off me kind of vibe. And, um, and so you've got to tread lightly in those sorts of spaces. And everyone's situation, the interactions, the combinations, permutations of all of our interactions and the lessons and the conversations that we have will determine how people present to us every single day. Um, well, we know too, I mean, reading books like The Biology of Belief, we know that our emotions, yep, and we know that our emotions drive behaviours, mm-hmm. um, they affect our physiology. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts around people who may have had a tough upbringing or tough moments in life? How would you recommend someone, it's so good if we could say let it go. It's in the past, it's been and done, move on. New moment, new moment, new moment. But my experience is most of us don't know how to let go, particularly when we've been hurt or been ripped off or been taken advantage of. And that carries through a vibration. And then there's people I've met who have unbelievably had a tough time, but they have chosen to work on themselves in such a way that they've decided that they're going to break the cycle of Mm. those six, seven generations of vibrational energy through them. Mm. What makes someone different to want to do that How, what's your experience of that do some people get stuck in their story and you just know they're not going to get out of it and they're just going to be in the daily day of the history of it or do you meet people that are is that the person that's on the table that you're going oh, hello here i am how do you know at some point people either want to receive love or they don't receive love like they're closed off to it or they're open to it I think it's as simple as that. Like you're not ever really sitting on the fence, oh, do I want to receive love or do I not want to receive love? You either do or you don't at the end of the day. You know, you're either going to eat or you're not going to eat. You're either going to drink water or you're not going to drink water. You know, like there's there's some black and white things that actually happen in life. You're either going to receive love or not receive it. Everyone wants to give you, everyone wants to give you love. Even those people that hurt you, even those people that betray you, even those people that... Um, do the wrong thing by you. At some at some level, they want to give you love, whether they don't know how to do it, or whether you don't know how to receive it uh, from that person. I think that's I think that will, will define the way in which you, you're able to love your way out or into a situation. So, I, when you mentioned that before, you know, some people have had a rough time. I was thinking of a patient of mine, um, and I'll just call him GC just in case he's listening, um, which I'm sure he will be because he's a legend. Um, and GC also means good something else. And uh, and so I uh, – and he is definitely that, um, but they are actually his initials. Um, and I know he's had a very rough upbringing, but at some point, uh, whether it was his mum or whether it was a friend of his, he was showing um, vibrational medicine through Reiki that changed his life, you know. Now, for a hardened bloke who's tattooed all over and, you know, would be well-suited to some black glasses with a German 
Nazi helmet on riding a Harley Davidson down the street with, you know, some kind of bikey gang jacket on. Like this bloke, when you see him, you're like you, you'd be scared of him. Like you'd literally be scared of him. But he is the most loving guy. Like literally one day I was, I was in the practice and I had my hands on somebody and, I, and he walked up behind me and put his hands on me. And he said, Damo, I just feel like you need a bit of love. And he put his hands on me and, like, just filled me right up. Like, this heat just went. It was like, you know, in, um, in the Avengers when Scott takes his glasses off and is, like, beaming, like, this fire out. This is what was coming through GC's hands into my shoulders, into my, into my body. And, um, and you, can, you, can, you have to attract that. You have to be open to that and attract that. You can't. If I had F off written on my back, um, he would never have been able to come up to me and felt safe and comfortable without put his hands on me. That really touched me and it will stay with me forever, you know. And he's a really, he's a tough bloke. He's a tough bloke. So he's had experiences in the past that will be questionable, uh, as I have had, you know, experiences in the past that have, you know, been questionable. Um, but at some point, uh, you know, you either have to go, I want to receive love and I want to be able to give love. Um, I think they happen together. Like when you receive it, you then will give it. And when you give it, then you'll receive it. Um, but we, when you closed off to love, then you closed off to love, you know. So you've got to get through that. You've got to be able to, you've got to get beyond it. And I'm thinking of one of my, my, one of my best mates right now, and, and unfortunately he probably won't be watching this, but I will post it up on, uh, on Facebook. Hopefully he'll see it. Um, and, and, and I won't say his initials because of all the other people that also know this guy, um, but I would love for him to see the love that he's got in his family because then he'll be able to give more love and forgive people, you know. So I think that would be really great too. So, But you've got to be ready for it. I heard someone the other day say, in order to attract love, you need to be attractive. Yeah. And she wasn't talking about um, looks yeah. or beauty. It was about being an attractor of yeah. that energy. Yeah. What do you love about Damien Christoph? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be going down this. Uh, <laughs> well, there's times that I, there's times in my in my life where I have not loved much at all, to be honest with you, um, where I've I've seen the blank screen of a monitor and that felt like my future. Like it felt like I couldn't see into the future. Like I literally just saw black. Um, and in that time, there's not much that you like about yourself. You know, you don't like the person that you've become. You don't like the things that you say or the things that you do or the people that you piss off or the people that you're surrounded with or whatever else, you know. So um, those times are, are tough. But what I really, I suppose, I love about me uh, these days is is that I, I, what do I love? I love that I, I love that I laugh. I love that I, I like to tell a joke. I love that I, I, um, I think I love the person that I am these days. I'm not trying to be um, anybody different. I, I've really found who my true self is. Um, uh, I love my life. I really love my life now. Um, I love that I get to go to work and, and, and I love my practice. Um, and my practice is very much me. 
Um, I love the people that I get to hang out with, you know, people like yourself and Marcus Pierce and, um, you know, I, I, I just think that's, that's the best. Um, but I also, I love being around Amber and Jackson and, and I play golf and so, and I love all of that. So there's a lot of things about my life that I absolutely love. I think for me, I love that I, I care and, and I love that I love people. You know, I, I really, I want to be around people, you know, so that's, you know, as much as maybe that's endearing, uh, it's endearing to me. Um, but I, I love that I have a good net effect on people most of the time. Yeah, you sure do. One of the kindest, most beautiful souls I know. And also someone who's, I still, I, what I also would say through the kindness and the gentleness of yourself, you're also someone to me who is really strong and really open to new beliefs and learnings, always learning. I love that about you. Um, I could add a whole lot of list to the things about you if you're struggling, but anyway, I'll keep going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, this is an interesting reflection. Mm. Um, when Jackson's mum and I separated, um, it was due to unfortunate circumstances and her new partner, I was very angry about us separating, really angry about it. And, and I had real anger, you know, and, uh, and rage, like I was enraged. And at one point I felt like, you know, I wanted to be really violent and I thought that would make things better. Um, and I got an email from, um, from somebody and he said, you've just got to get over your ego and realise that Michelle doesn't want to be with you. She wants to be with somebody else. And I was like, really? <laughs> and that was the thing. That was the thing. That email changed my life because if I never received that email, I would never have been able to recognise it was my ego that was holding me back from giving Jackson an unbelievable life. You know, so I had to be told by somebody that I didn't respect at the time um, that it was my ego that was getting in the way and I had to take it on board. So that was my lesson to learn from, from shit stuff, like to learn stuff. Um, otherwise, you'll miss the opportunity for a lesson. So It's also I, a credit to you because you know, many people could be given that advice and still say, well, stuff you. Um, many people would have hated that person even more for telling them that. So there was a part of you obviously ready for that and a part of you who your kindness is actually who you truly are. And I'm sure it spoke to you in a way that you could understand that it's not just you, it's our ego. It's that part of us that we don't even know how to articulate in the human language about what that part of us, who are we? What, what is this all about? What makes us different? If you could say you looked up to anyone, or living or dead, who's someone that you really, you know, either would love to have dinner with, or that you just, I don't, you just get such a kick out of meeting or being in their presence? Oh, Kimbo, it's got to be you. No, 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 you and Danny, come on down. That would be the best. You're amazing. <laughs> I love the fact best. that you both had the same initials. I know. I know. Well. You know, obviously you guys, and there's a lot of people that I'd love to have dinner with, but the people, the two people that I love the most in my life um, that I would I would love even just five more minutes with are my nana and papa. You know, my, my nana, so my mum's mum and my grandfather who passed away in March of last year, the two most beautiful people on the planet, you know. And, and fortunately Amber's grandmother, 
um, is still around with us and she turns 100 in a couple of weeks' time. And um, and she's kind of subbed in to be my nana, you know, like she, she's kind of like that. But I lost my nana nearly 20 years ago, um, or probably about 20 years ago now. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be 20 years today. Wow. wow. All right, 20 years today. And, wow, um, wow that's incredible. And she... She is just, she was something else, you know. She was next level. She was the best. What was uh, it that you loved about them? I, you know, she just, I've got this picture in my mind of uh, of me hugging my grandmother, my nana, in the kitchen. And it was was a photo of us, you know, hugging. And I had long hair and happy pants on and rossy boots and a surface shirt. and, um, And she just hugged me, you know, like she just, hugged me and it was just like this almighty, it was the best hug I reckon I've ever had. And, um, and, and I remember that my Nana and she would just, you know, stroke me and love me and just, she just was, she was everything. And so my mum's filled her shoes. Um, and, and so if I was to have dinner with anybody, it'd be my Nana, my Papa and my mum. That would be unbelievable. And, you know, it's pretty extraordinary when you think about the beautiful gifts, that energy that we can get from grandparents. There's a different role. And I'm sure when we find out when we become grandparents one day that that connection that you can have with your grandchild, what I hear is it's quite an extraordinary relationship. So no doubt you'll end up taking those beautiful qualities of your papa into that uh, relationship when Jackson has kids. So, you know, there's some really special qualities, isn't there? Yeah. If someone listening to this podcast was sitting there and they know that they're listening to this because they're interested in the personal growth of, of, of what it means to love ourselves, but they were a bit lost or they were going through a really big struggle or a challenge, what would be your advice? I, I would say find someone to, to talk to. Find someone that you trust to be able to speak to. Um, and as we said before, People want to give you love. Like people want to show you love. They want to give you love. Just trust that that is true, um, and and find someone that you can talk to. You know about everything. So um, for some people that might be a counselor. For some people that might be a friend. Uh, for other people that might be you know the person that they're married to or their you know significant other in their life. You know um, there is definitely always somebody that you can speak to, and uh, and it's definitely worth doing that. Yeah, and there's also online groups and communities now, isn't there, where we can really feel like we belong. If COVID's shown us anything, it's the power of connection without connecting. Yeah. (laughs) What's been, I know we're coming to the end, but throughout this whole time, you've been in Victoria down there throughout this kind of strange and crazy year that we've had. And regardless of our beliefs, perceptions or understandings or non-understandings of what's actually going on out there, what do you think's been the biggest biggest breakthrough or uh, aha or is there is there an awakening to come through this whole COVID experience? <laughs> I think there definitely is. Um, for me, being here in Victoria, it was incredible to see how quickly we could lose our rights and our freedoms, um, you know, and, and whilst all of that probably needed to happen in order to contain the virus so that it didn't get out of control, it also reinforced to me um, how fragile um, everything really is like what we feel is permanent around us is not permanent. Um, so it's a great reminder for me to enjoy every moment, to try and make more moments, um, and to really look forward to um, spending time with people and to 
probably sweat the small stuff less, you know, like don't, don't get too caught up in the stuff that you can't control. In the early days of COVID, I was so angry and so frustrated and I, I couldn't understand why my message wasn't getting across in the media. You know, why aren't I being interviewed anymore on Triple M? You know, why aren't I, you know, in the radio around Victoria, New South Wales? Um, why aren't I able to talk on um, a healthy way to come out of COVID? You know, so f- for me, that, that really frustrated me and it took me a little while to realise that I'm not going to be able to control that outcome. And so I needed to be able to focus on the people that I could, you know, help um, as opposed to focusing on what I couldn't control or what I, what I couldn't help. And so for, for me, I had to, I had to really rein that in because that was my, my number one source of frustration, agitation, and it was actually unhealthful for me to listen to the news and to watch Daniel Andrews turn up in front of his purple screen every single day and blah, 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 says, you know, hyperbole, whatever he wanted to say. I really had to struggle. I struggled with that. So um, for, for me now, I, I definitely feel like having more opportunities and creating more opportunities to spend more time with people and create moments is the lesson that's come out of COVID for me. Mm, beautiful. And if there was a quote, a favourite quote that he had, what would it be? It's easy. I love this quote. Um, it's by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And he says, um, a mind once stretched never returns to its original position. There's something along those lines. Um, and so once you hear it or see it, you can't unsee it or unhear it. And, um, and it's there. It's, it's up to you to do whatever you do with it. So now you've heard this podcast, um, you can't hear it, you know, it's no. there, it's done. No, it's, it's my dream, my vision that people hear this podcast, that they get to see people like yourself, someone who is a mentor and an incredible gift to the planet, that we get to hear who you truly are and what you're about and, and how you've learned through your life lessons and, and that it's not always easy. But you keep shining and you keep smiling and you keep showing love in spite of it. I read a quote once, there is nothing more beautiful than a heart that's been shattered into a million pieces but still believes in love. And I think it wouldn't matter how much people like yourself got knocked or pushed or taken advantage of. There is an essence in you, Damien, that just oozes love and kindness and intelligence and an incredibly innate ability to make others feel good. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being that to me, but also to Danny and um, and the people that have heard you over the years, your clients, I'm sure I speak on behalf of them. And those that have hurt you, I'm sure there's an element of them that, like you said, they've they've obviously given love in some capacity or some way. And if anything, I can give thanks to them for continuously expressing and showing to you what you're capable of. And that's pretty extraordinary. And I want to acknowledge you for that. You're so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. How do I respond to that? That's just amazing. Oh. You're incredible. And, you know, I think for every word that you said there about me, I could easily say the same thing about you. So, Kim, the, the feeling's mutual. The love is there. It's mutual. It's just uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you've come into my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for you and, you know, and up for a chat, girls, I don't know where the wellness guys would have ever got to. So, you know, what, what you girls did was 
was quite incredible and um and it, and it helped us we felt like we stood on the shoulders of giants you know with you girls so thank you very much for coming into my life kimbo it's uh it's 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 unbelievable that you're in it so thank you this one, my friend, and much love to that beautiful Amber and Jackson. And here's to the boundaries being shut down so that you can come and stay with me on the coast at some time soon or we get to Melbourne again. I've missed it. Yes. Hello. Uh, come on, Palaszczuk. I know, I know. Just to finish off, if anyone wanted to follow you, what's the best handles, the best place to get a hold of or know more about Damien Crystal? Really, if you go to DamienChristoph.com, yep. everything's on there. So it's D-A-M-I-A-N Christoph.com. And, um, and if I'm there, if you want to listen to stuff that I talk about every single week, um, go to 100notout.com. It's a fantastic think, uh, podcast. I love yeah. it. I love what you and Marcus do, the energy you both have for each other. Another mutual admiration society yeah, um, couple, cool. you know. It's really cool when you bounce off each other and can highly recommend that podcast. And hopefully in a year or two you'll be selling a career again, a place, a, a blue zone, a place where we can all get to go and experience how people really truly do live from the heart and connection and touch and real food and, and, and laughter. And, you know, I just, it's such a beautiful thing what you share. And I, um, I really do appreciate what you guys do with that hundred not out because ultimately the whole thing around longevity is something we all aspire to. We can all live for a long time, but do we do it with health and laughter and love and all of those things? That's another question, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it really is. It really is. <laughs> Well, look, you take care of my beautiful friend and to everybody listening to this podcast, please make sure you follow Dr. Damien Christoph. He is a legend and I know he's incredibly humble, but as you can see, he is one of those special souls that I'm sure will fill your heart as much as he's filled mine. Take care. Be kind. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.